Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Um, I'm going to repeat the name of a book. Got a lot of people asking questions. It's called The Travis County Master Gardener's Garden Guide for Austin and Vicinity. Travis County Master Gardener's Garden Guide for Austin and Vicinity. It'll even come up. I'm looking at it on Amazon at the moment. But you can find it. You can find it at Half Price Books. There's always a copy there. So keep an eye on the, out for that. Uh, it's most of the nurseries will um, have copies available for you. So um, that's where you can find it. Even older versions, they're currently on the fourth edition, it appears. Um, there's not a huge difference. There's not a huge difference from one edition to the next. They are so full of information that you will benefit regardless of what version you have. Um, so keep an eye out for it. I was talking about collecting rainwater and we always wind up that it you can't collect rainwater. There's always some, oh no, it's you can't collect rainwater. Colorado was one of the few states who banned collecting rainwater. And that went to court and public opinion and things like that. And they finally greatly relaxed the restrictions. You can collect rainwater in Colorado. A lot of times when we have uh, a regulation that says you can't do X, over time that gets changed, but the mental thought about it doesn't. So even if the state of Colorado were to suddenly go, you are perfectly free to collect any rainwater you want at any time, there would still be a lot of carryover, even at the, at the public administration level. You will still have counties that say, no, you can't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. We do not have regulations on it here in Texas. You can collect rainwater. You don't have to pay a fee. You don't have to get a permit. Okay, I'm going to clarify that. You do have to have a permit if you are going to collect your connect your rainwater collection system to your water supply. Rainwater is not potable water. I know lots of people who drink it. Yes, I go outside when it's raining and drink it. 
let it fall on my face. It is not potable. You need a filtration system and usually a UV system to be able to take it straight from your rainwater tank, clean it up, and be able to drink it and use it for house water. I have plenty of friends who are going to say, no, you don't. There's nothing wrong with rainwater. Okay. I'm not going to do that. I would like it to still be clean and potable water so that I don't have to worry about problems like that. There are so many methods of collecting rainwater. The Australians developed a system where you basically have a waterbed bladder and you fit it under your deck. So no one ever sees where your rainwater system is, but you're collecting it. You're storing it someplace where it's safe, where you can collect a lot of water. Tanks are in all kinds of shapes now. They're not just big round barrels. So rainwater collection is so much more convenient than it was just a few years ago. And the systems, you can now get ones that will prevent your rainwater tank from overflowing. They'll bypass a valve so that the rainwater will fall on the ground instead of filling the tank if the tank's already full. They have systems now with that are called first flush. One of the problems with rainwater, and it doesn't matter what kind of roof it is, is that you get dust, dirt, and bird poop on the roof. First flush system, when it starts raining, will start flushing off the dirt, the muck, the nastiness, and bypass your rainwater collection tank. Basically, it throws it out on the ground, which is where it would have gone anyway. And you store cleaner water. It still needs good filtration, maybe UV filter, to make it potable, drinkable water. But first flush systems really clean up your tanks. They really get some of the junk out of there. And it's easy in these big tanks, throw in a mosquito dunk. No mosquitoes are gonna grow in that tank. And that's a big deal. If you have a rainwater tank, I have taken the lid off of mine once and a cloud of mosquitoes came out because guess who forgot to put in a rainwater dunk? Uh, but it was easily fixed. It was easily fixed. And these mosquito dunks do not affect the water. So you can still use it on your plants. Rainwater can be the answer. Can be the answer for many, many systems. It's also, it's kind of like uh, solar. If you're paying too much for electricity, it's possible to it's possible to install a solar system that will reduce your demand. 
We're just going to do it with water to reduce your demand for water. Folks, I have to take a break. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Let's um, let's go to the phone. This is JD. JD, what can I help you with? Hey, good morning. Yes, sir. Jackie. All right. Um, thank you for taking our calls. Um, I had a question. So I have a about a ten year old Bradford pear that was hit pretty hard by the the ice storm that came through earlier this year. Um, so it's kind of hanging in there, but it's throwing a ton of offshoots or um, little trees. But my question specifically is, I have one or two that have come through, and they look pretty healthy and pretty big. What's the chance that I can kind of, um, you know? nurture one of those to grow into an actual tree that it's it's kind of an offshoot from the from the main tree does it have any chance of surviving or am i wasting my time do you intend to move it no it it came up in a pretty good place an ideal place well you can see what happens by taking care of it you want to get rid of some of the extra trash around it as in some of those shoots you don't want going but uh bradford pears are not supposed to be invasive meaning they shouldn't be throwing little trees out on you are you sure that's not a root shoot coming up well what would be the difference because it probably it could be Well, for one, if you try to dig it up, you're going to find that the root runs back to the tree. If you try to dig it up and you don't see that root going there, then, yeah, it, it should come up and be okay. But if it's a shoot from the root coming up, um, those are really unpredictable and not just Bradford's, but most trees that throw up shoots, a lot of times the tree will get damaged and people will be like, well, can I let this shoot over here go? And maybe it'll become a, a good tree to replace the one that's damaged. It's hit or miss. It's not a guarantee, but you only lose a little time if you let it grow and try to take care of it. Okay. Okay. Good information. It's definitely, I would say it's a, a root shoot so um we'll uh, we'll let it go we'll see what it does um make sure it can get sun make sure that you're watering around that shoot um you're you're probably going to be okay doing your normal tree watering but make sure you don't inadvertently wow i watered the rest of the tree but i'm not getting any water to that shoot uh, other than that, it's just a matter of time to see how it does. Great. All right. Thank you for your time. Thanks for the call, J.D. Yeah, folks, uh, a Bradford pear putting up shoots. I have a regular pear. I have to go out there every year and trim out all of the shoots that are coming up around the bottom of the pear tree. 
um, oak trees will throw shoots, Hick, uh, hackberries. We all know that story. Um, I still get shoots from a couple of uh, Arizona ashes that I cut down several years ago. And they still want to throw up this little shoot. Fortunately, the way the tree was cut down and where the shoots are coming up, I just mow over them. Then I don't have to worry about them. I don't have to try to recover this ash tree that I did not want. I am so happy to have gotten rid of it. But it, it's kind of a crapshoot. You don't know if that shoot's going to make it or not. It might. I mean, we go out into the forest and we will see thickets of trees and they're caused by these root shoots coming up and you get a bunch of trees that are very close together. But you can also get places where you get a shoot that's just never going to want to become a tree. Nothing but a straight-up water spout that isn't putting on side shoots for you. So the only thing you're wasting, you, you, you are using, is time. You, you are taking care of the same tree, right, from the root shoot. It's the same tree. So you have the same amount of maintenance. It's just a question of how long before you can be satisfied that it's actually going to be a new tree for you. It may determine to come up out of the ground and be a single straight stalk, 12 or 13 feet tall, and doesn't put on many side shoots. It kind of depends on the tree again. The only thing wrong with this scenario is you need to wait to see, did it meet your requirements? Did it become a new tree? If it didn't, and you were waiting one, two, three years for it to do so, you lost that many years worth of time when you could have just cut down the old tree and planted a new one. So tough call. It's a tough call. If it's in a place where it's not a big deal, where you're okay with this trying to come back, let it. Let it. You'll know fairly soon whether it's going to be successful or not. If it's not, it's time for the chainsaw. You can cut it down and away you go. It's disappointing when a tree is damaged and you get a shoot and you're like, come on, let that replace this tree that I was invested in that got damaged. Will that shoot do it? Might, might not. I had a uh, lace bark elm. Love the tree. Beautiful, beautiful tree. And the ice storm did so much damage that had a conversation with the arborist and were like, nah, it's, it, take it out. Plant a new one, which I did. And the new one's growing great. Big shout out to those tree hugger sprinklers. I have one around this new tree and it's growing fantastic. And I'm not wasting water to make it do so. 
But sometimes when the tree is damaged, the damage should tell you, no, that's got to go. That's got to go. It's time to consider getting a new tree planted or simply tearing out the one that's bad and not worrying about it anymore. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up to the bottom of the hour. We're going to break for the news. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Lost my train of thought there. Sorry about that. Some folks are texting that some of their plants are still performing, even in this heat. There are some plants that can deal with this weather. And if they're in your garden, you're probably taking care of them, giving them more water so that the drought isn't quite the effect on them. My bell peppers are still producing. They're producing pretty good bell peppers, too. They're uh, Big Bertha, and I'm getting six-inch long, four-inch or better diameter, bright red bell peppers. They've been thick-walled and sweet. They've been really good, and they're still setting fruit for me right now. Uh, I find that kind of surprising, actually. Um, Usually they will at least slow down a little at this time of the year, and then you wind up having to uh, uh, wait till fall to get more. But they're just pushing through, doing fine. People asking about cucumbers. Look, cucumbers grow so easily and so fast. If you're not getting any fruit on your cucumbers, cut them down. It's really hot right now, and it's very hard on them. Wait and plant again around Labor Day. They'll still produce cucumbers for you through the end of the year till it gets down to a frost. Um, That'll work just fine. But in this heat, what you're going to wind up is having to worry about bitter cucumbers. Texas A&M did a study, and they found out that when cucumbers bolt, they get bitter. So the question becomes, why do they bolt? Well, they want to make fruit, seeds. It's really easy to say, oh, it's because it's so hot. The cucumbers can actually go bitter when they're not getting the right water combination for them. If you let them go way too dry, that will cause them to bolt. And once they bolt, there's no backing up. You, you, you can't unbitter a cucumber. Doesn't work that way. It's easier and it's cheaper. You probably got more seeds than you needed when you bought your cucumbers this year, and you could just use them. They're, you're, use your leftovers. So once they start to give up, 
Once they start suffering the spider mites, they're not producing fruits. Cut them down. They're not going to produce for you. They will again by planting again. And you can put new cucumbers in the ground middle of August, uh, 1st of September, and they will be up and growing before we have a freeze or a frost. And you'll get another round of cucumbers for this year. Now, again, I keep getting asked, come on, folks, grab a piece of paper and a pen. I'm going to give you the name of that garden book that you're looking for. The Travis County Master Gardeners Association, Travis County Master Gardening, Garden Guide for Austin and Vicinity, okay? The Garden Guide for Austin and Vicinity. You can go to the Travis County Master Gardeners website and they've got a picture of the guide right there on front of the webpage. You can buy it from them. You can get it at your local nurseries. But it's the Travis County Master Gardener Guide for Central Texas. Hope you got that. Let's see. Um, what am I getting texted on here? Okay. Hmm. Apparently, it's just the name of the book everybody wants to know about. Worth every penny, folks. Worth every penny. Travis County Master Gardeners Association Garden Guide for Austin and Vicinity. Check it out. You can get a you can look at it online and see what it has uh, really super super helpful um, if you go to the Travis County Master Gardeners website it will give you places where you can purchase this book you can order it online if you wish so I recommend it if you can. And I did mention you can get it on uh, half price books. There always seems to be copies of it there. They'll be filled in. People will have made notes and said they did X or Y or what plant they planted or whatever measurements they made. It may be highlighted for certain plants that somebody probably planted before. So it's not like those plants can't be used because somebody used them before and highlighted them in the book. That book is still a treasure. And you don't need the most current version. Even a third edition, right now they're in the fifth. Even the third edition is so full of great information for you to be able to be really successful growing things. And again, an emphasis, 
You'll be successful in growing things, not just vegetables. How to care for your trees, which shrubs work here. How to take care of roses, which flowers and vines there are. It's, it's just an encyclopedia worth of knowledge on Central Texas. Now, I was talking about rainwater collection. The Texas Water Development Board, TWDB, has a book out that talks about rainwater collection. Ways to do it, it's a DIY operation. How to do it, where resources are, the quality of the water, how much water you can collect, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I need to take a quick break. When I come back, I will get the name of that book and make sure everybody knows what's available to you. I got to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Welcome back, folks. Um, I said that I would give you the book name for the rainwater collection book. The Texas Water Development Board has a free manual and it's kept updated and it has information on the components of a rainwater system, how to do it, first flush diverters, storage tanks, everything about them. Then it talks about the quality and treatment of the water and it helps him. One thing that's really important is how big a tank should you have? How much water do you use? So how much do you need to store? Sometimes you may use 10,000 gallons, but because of balancing it out around rain, you may only need a 1,000-gallon tank. This book is called The Texas Manual on Rainwater Harvesting. The Texas Manual on Rainwater Harvesting. It's, again, great. It's a free book. The Water Development Board did the work for you to find out the most efficient ways to collect it, the best the best way to distribute it, how to keep it clean, um, how big a system, calculating how much water you should store. This is a fantastic manual, especially since I'm reading it online for free right now. It's 88 pages of information, which uh, goes a little bit about the history and the value of rainwater, why it's so much better. Um, there's actually laws in the state of Texas recently passed, recently as in the last decade maybe, that um, 
state buildings, new state buildings are supposed to be designed with the ability to build rainwater collection systems into them. And we've been collecting rainwater in Texas since about 1850 or so, um, where we would have a cistern. Basically, you would intentionally flood your basement to collect the water. So there's a lot of advantage to it, pre-water, especially when we have limits or we have this kind of drought, um, how to keep the water clean, pick the right size, and uh, do uh, the, the correct way to save it. Now, as an example, if you've ever been to the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center, they harvest 300,000 gallons of rainwater. They have a big stone cistern to be able to collect it, and it is great to be able to keep the systems going at uh, the Wildflower Center without having to rely on lots of water, on, on paying for provided water. So check out, check out this free guide. It's the Texas Manual on Rainwater Harvesting. If you use your favorite search engine, it'll take you to it quickly. It's a PDF. You can print it out if you wish. 88 pages, don't forget. But uh, it is a wonderful guide. Download it to your computer to reference it when you need it. It's really important to consider if you are building a new home in Texas, there are some things you can do because it's a new home that would be way too expensive to retrofit uh, to retrofit to install the rainwater, the most efficient rainwater. Remember, you can collect rainwater with something as simple as a five-gallon bucket. And while that sounds silly, oh, wow, five gallons, if you have indoor plants, they will love that water because rainwater tends to be acidic. The Texas Guide will talk to you about it and tell you what's going on, how acidic it'll be, what you can expect in terms of the acidity, and your plants thrive on rainwater. So even a five-gallon bucket's worth will show up and give you a great return than if you just use it for your house plants. Imagine collecting 300,000 gallons of rainwater. I know that the, I think it was down on Brody, the HEB down there um, has rainwater collection systems that they use for their irrigation. So it is not some strange, bizarre, hippie idea. It is a very good way 
to utilize rainwater to not have to become dependent on city tap water to water your plants. And I got to tell you, the quality of water in the city of Austin is very good. In central Texas, it's very good because it is filtered through all that limestone. But that water is also pretty hard. It's very alkaline. And there's real reasons of the benefit of the acidity of rainwater. Ever notice after a rain how green everything looks? That's why the rainwater is acidic and so many more nutrients become available when you use rainwater. Folks, this is gardening naturally. Have a safe day out there. Going to be hot. Uh, I will talk to you all next Saturday at 9 o'clock. Have a great weekend.